Oh, my former roommate, college friend, all-around good guy, Nick Wakefield, joins me on this episode of the podcast. Nick was born overseas, so we talk about something that, that I've been holding on to for a while. We get into soccer, and we talk about why I just don't have an appreciation for the game like others do. I'll watch it, but I just can't get that into it. Uh, we, we trade some pandemic stories, some fun stories about us living together, and um, a whole bunch more. Coming up, Out of the Hat. Hello. Hey. So this is tremendous. We're already recording. Not sure if you've ever listened to this uh, monstrosity I like to call a podcast, but I'm extra unprepared today, and I am <laughs> sliding on my windsock as I speak to you, which probably sounds really weird in your ear. Uh, I, I, I'm three and a half episodes into your podcast. Oh, series. wonderful, wonderful. It only gets better. I can tell you that. Uh, it's better every episode so far. Oh, you know, don't! I, every episode gets better. This one is going to be the best one yet. Oh, 100% because I'm on this one. That's correct. Um, so I- introduce yourself here. Uh, I'm going to give you 30 seconds. Say whatever the heck you want to say to uh, the listener at home. And then uh, we're going to be off and running. And you have no idea what we're talking about today, which is fantastic. Uh, all right. So uh, my name is Nick Wakefield. I've known Joe for the best part of 20 years now. Uh, we used to live together for a few years in the mid uh, noughties and uh, he asked me to come on the podcast and talk about whatever uh, he pulls out of his hat. And here I am now. So. <laughs> that is very true. So I was thinking a couple days ago about just what I want to talk about with you. And the first thing that came to my mind was you are a soccer fanatic. You weren't born here in the U.S., uh, were you born in Britain? Yes. And uh, born in South London in, in Bromley, and uh, yeah, definitely a, a football fan. And yeah, no soccer, not football. <laughs> um, I like football too. But football. Uh, <laughs> um, so my question is, what do I not understand? Because obviously, with the pandemic going on, uh, football as I know it, not football as uh, some know it here, but. Uh, North American football may or may not happen in the fall. Increasingly looks unlikely. Baseball has not started up yet. As we record this on the 19th of July, they have started playing some exhibition games, and they're supposed to get their 60-game season underway in the next few days. Uh, Basketball, they're down in that bubble in Florida, and I give that about a 50-50 shot at finishing. And hockey, eh, don't you know, they're all up in Canada in their own two bubbles trying to race towards the Stanley Cup, and I give that about a 60 or 75% chance of finishing. But soccer has been going on for the better part of a few weeks now, maybe maybe longer than that, maybe a month or two. And I, I flip it on the TV, and my stupid roommate... Uh, he he doesn't love it, but he's gotten into it. What am I missing with it? Because I enjoy the World Cup. I enjoy the Olympics. But I just can't get into an MLS match or even the Premier League. I just, what am I missing? Because you are the resident soccer expert. Take it away. All right. So, yeah, football, the world game, has been going for about a month now. Uh, this is the 
coming up into the final week of the Premier League. Uh, today and yesterday, we had two of the FA Cup semifinals. Um, so you're, you're a big hockey fan, Joe. I, I know this. And, and the similarities between hockey and, and soccer are very similar. You know, you can't pass the puck over, you know, pass the last defender. Otherwise, it's, you know, icing. Same thing in soccer, it's offside, and you have to get the ball to the other team. Fair. So the the rules are very, very similar. You know, obviously you're going from one side to the other to score, right? Yes. So um, I, I don't know what you're missing. You like a lot of different sports. You know, I do two sports that, you know, we agree and don't agree on, like, you know, obviously with hockey. Do you still like really NASCAR? Yeah, I've been watching it recently because I think a lot of people are starved for live sports. Oh, in totally agree with that. I, I resorted to watching uh, hot dog eating on the Fourth of July, well, I, and, and I did too. You and, know, I watch Joey Chestnut every uh, year as well, and that's yeah, that's revolting a big... to a lot of people. But so here's here's how I view it. Like my issue is just soccer is slow, Nick, and hockey, which you're right, is similar in terms of the rules. Hockey's very fast up and down the ice. Soccer is much more I think it's a it's like it's like chess meets hockey because there is a lot of uh, strategy and I think if I sat down with somebody like you and you really explained to me like what's going on, I might have a better appreciation for it. I've seen some rising games out here. They play, I mean obviously they're not at a premiership level, but they play a very competitive high-level game. Um, and I enjoyed it when I went, but it just moves at a slower speed, and I think that's what I struggle with. And it's the same reason why, while I like baseball, I don't know too many people who sit down and watch a, a three-hour-plus baseball game and are riveted to the screen from start to finish. No, you're right. And, and with soccer, there is so much of the strategy, the formations, the, you know, the, the, the one-two-touch Football is is what a lot of you know managers and coaches like to play these days. What does that mean? One two touch. So so you know the ball comes to you. It's sort of one touch. You pass it off to the next guy. Maybe it's a one and a two touch, and then you pass it off to the next person. So you're not sitting on the ball per se. You're okay. not just holding it, moving it around in your sort of area of the field that you know whether you're a, a central defender or a midfielder or center forward. You know. You know, very similar to, to hockey. You have the wingers and the and the, the, the central player, and then the you know the strikers, et cetera. So, yeah, it is very tactical. Um, for example, today, like you said, it's the 19th of July. You know, we had the FA Cup semifinal. I, I watched you know my Chelsea play uh, Manchester United, and they both lined up um, in, in the same formation at the beginning, and you know with a back three in defense on both sides. And that wasn't really working for Manchester United. You know, we were two up at the half or right after half. Um, and and United had to switch to a four in the back. You Are know, you a Chelsea to... fan? I didn't know that. Yes. That, yes that's the team Chelsea that fan. I adopted. I like the blue. And yes. I actually have a Torres jersey. I know, he doesn't play for them anymore, does he? He doesn't, no. Nah, no. He, that's like he 10 kind, years ago. He kind of flamed <laughs> out, huh? Yeah, yeah. Who are their studs uh, yeah. now? Uh, so Chelsea, they're a very young team. You know, we we were hit with a, a one-term uh, transfer ban where we couldn't sign or trade any players uh, due to you know financial fair play. Oh, um, we cheated. So, we didn't play fair. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Did we I beat mean, United today? 
We did. Ah, suck uh, it, Manchester United. (laughs) So a 3-1 win, going to play Arsenal on the 1st of August in in FA Cup final. Mm. Uh, They took down Manchester City yesterday, um, which, you know, huge for them. And today, huge for us. Obviously, beating United, always uh, an arch rival, you know, red versus blue. So, you know, forward-looking, today's very... Today's Chelsea is very young. We have a lot of young players. Christian Pulisic, who plays for the U.S. Uh, men's national team, I've heard of him? One of our is uh, one of our midfielders. Mason Mount, Tammy Abraham, uh, all big English players that are, are working their way up to be international stars. Um, you know, and then anchored with uh, you know Olivier Giroud, who's been on the French national team for the best part of ten years as well, and you know, arguably an Arsenal legend, and. Um, you know he's won four FA Cups already too. So um, you know, looking good for good, looking good for our Chelsea. I, I like to hear that. Do do Me you too. think that you would appreciate soccer as much as you do if your parents would have had you here in the U.S. You know, a decade plus later, or do you think you would? I mean, because I know there's people here in the U.S. who enjoy soccer, but every couple years you always hear, "Oh, soccer's the next big thing. Soccer's the next big thing." Well, it is a big thing to everywhere except for here, and it's becoming bigger. But I don't think it's going to happen overnight. I think it's going to be very gradual. And the fact is, until the U.S. dominates at it, the majority of the U.S. will not care about it. One hundred percent. So. My parents are not big sports fans to start with. So, uh, other than you know, they both watch NASCAR pretty pretty religiously. You know, they live back in the UK now, um, and the one sports channel they buy on their TV package is Premier Sports, which shows NASCAR. So they DVR it, they watch it later because of the you know eight hour time difference to to wherever uh, the race is happening that weekend or, or whatever. So, um, I, you know, I, I've been a soccer fan you know, for, you know, 15 plus years or so now, um, you know, obviously being a Chelsea fan, it's, you know, one of two teams that are almost equidistant to where I was born. So I picked Chelsea, you know, I've been watching them since, you know, the late 2000s. Uh, you, you referred to Torres and, you know, he was in my Facebook memories recently about a Chelsea match I was watching. And I said something about Torres in 09. So, um, I, I don't know if it would make a difference, I, you know, if I would be more or less of a fan if I stayed there longer as I, as I moved away mm-hmm. at a very young age. Um, but you're right. Um, for the United States to be all in in soccer, they have to win, and they don't. No. Um, no. So, I mean, no, the, women, do the women do. The yeah. women dominate pretty much every tournament they play in, and – you know, women's soccer from the youth level, like AYSO, to, you know, college soccer um, is, is pretty big. It's yep. keeping those kids, you know, whether it's even men and women, um, involved from that young age playing, you know, AYSO, you know, youth soccer, you know, very similar to like, you know, peewee football and Pop Warner football and, and that kind of stuff. But once they get to high school, they kind of lose what they play. Is it you know, is kind of ha- is women's have to be soccer an elite player? Is women's soccer so, as big over in Europe as as it is here? It's getting bigger, for sure. Um, we now have women's leagues, which are 
you know, actually backed by, you know, the major clubs, Chelsea, Manchester United, Manchester City, Arsenal, Tottenham, et cetera. All the, all the big English clubs and, and mm. German clubs and French clubs all have women's teams to go along with them. Chelsea does too. We won the, you know, the English Women's League this year. Um, so it's, it's becoming a bigger thing. Obviously, with the rise of, of women's soccer in general worldwide, you know, the U.S., China, the, you know, England are all a top three. Canada um, are all sort of that sort of top three, four, five women's teams, you know, internationally. So um, it is becoming bigger for sure. But, uh, yeah, I mean, here in the U.S., I mean, there's been glimmers of hope. I remember growing up, like, Alexi Lalas and Kobe Jones and Tony Miola, and then there was Brad Friedel, and we've had some good goalies. We've had some good players. There was one year, I can't remember if we beat Brazil or we lost to Brazil, like, one to nothing in, like, a quarterfinal. Yeah, we we made, the U.S. made it to the quarterfinals one year. Yeah. Um, I, I want to say that 94? was— or 98? Uh, um, four, I think it was, when it was here, when it was hosted in the United States. We had a good run. And then we had a good run a few years ago, too. Um, we went deep into the World Cup. But, you know, we Is didn't that qualify. the year Germany beat us? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, we didn't qualify for the last one, though. The U.S. didn't qualify. It's always good when you don't even qualify. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, the Netherlands didn't qualify. Italy didn't qualify for the last World Cup. So it does show that, you know, as you know, the world grows, you know, it's not down to the same, you know, three, four countries every year, which I personally like, you know, I like to see, you know, Iceland make it through to the quarterfinals, you know, countries of a hundred thousand people, you know, be beating, you know, the world's top, which, you know, has a population of, you know, a hundred million or something like that. You know, um, I always like root for the underdog. So, um, you know, I think I think going forward, you know, the U.S. has to has to grow a culture between that youth and that professional level um, for them to succeed in soccer. I think we lose that mark from that sort of middle schooler to maybe college ish age yep. of you know really growing the sport like baseball does, like basketball does, because you know high school soccer primarily is played by girls. You know, there's very few men's high school soccer teams, right? You know, sure. I can remember I went to high school in Texas and, and you went to high school in Michigan. So, I, you know, I, we didn't have a high school soccer team. No, I mean, we None. were a real small school. Your your school had, what, like six kids in it in high school, yeah, didn't Yeah, I mean, my, mine was, you know, I went to private school, so I had like, you know, 10 people graduate with me. <laughs> but like even the public schools around me, I don't think they played soccer. It I was think football, we, baseball, basketball. Our big... You know? Big, big high schools may have had soccer, but it certainly wasn't a big deal. Right. So for, for, for the U.S. to really be a top player internationally, I think there needs to be some more culture um, grown into the youth sports to keep them interested through high school to go play at one of the top soccer universities that, you know, develop and, and move forward. And there's a couple schools out there like that that, you know, do well in soccer every year. Um, so, you know, getting that there, and and like you said, we have Phoenix Rising here locally. They're they're a second division, yep. you know, league in the USL behind the MLS. 
Um, but we do play very well. I, I'm a season ticket holder. I have been since the beginning season. Um, you know, I enjoy going to the games. And if you watch the games, whether it's on TV or in person, you can, t- you can tell they have that sort of the formation, the strategy. You know, everyone kind of knows where they need to flow. Uh, it's not just, you know, a free-for-all or, you know, poor defending or, or you know, kind of all over the place. Like, you know, some teams are like that. You know, they're less funded. They're, you know, the players aren't as good quality or they're like the second-tier players to their major, you know, big brother club like LA Galaxy. You know, Los Dos play in the USL. Mm-hmm. We play, you know, regularly too. Uh, in our league and, and uh, with Phoenix Rising. So, you know, moving moving the needle upwards is, is, you know, the best way for us to go. Cheap plug that uh, if, if you like the Phoenix Rising, you can check them out on the uh, sister station of where I work on their app at Arizona Sports. They they carry their games on there. I have been to a couple games. They are very fun. Obviously, fans can't get into the games right now. Hopefully, in the you know months ahead, if things continue to get better with the virus, hopefully that changes. But with the game, a big problem too is is you mentioned how Chelsea has a kid from the U.S. who's a big prospect, who's an up and comer. But I think part of the issue is too is the U.S. is constantly exporting their best players to go and improve overseas. We need to get to a point where not that the MLS would ever be on par. With the with the Premiership and the, even the Bundesliga, things like that, you know, the quality leagues overseas. But until the U.S. grows the game here and can incentivize those players to not constantly go overseas and train with the Europeans, which where they're going to become the best, I, I think the U.S. is going to have a tough time really making that leap. It is. Um, the MLS still, you know, is looked at, I think, worldwide is, you know, a league on two ends. It's a league for uh, kids, you know, younger players to develop their skills to possibly move on to a contract with the Bundesliga or, um, you know, Premier League or, or Serie A or any numerous, you know, uh, European leagues. Or it's where the shining stars of those leagues go to play out their last three, four years at the age of, you know, 31 to 35. Um, You know, there's very few that I've seen move to MLS in the height of their career, even if it's a large payday. You know, David Beckham, for example, you obviously went to LA Galaxy some years ago on a massive payday. You know, was he still in the top of his game? Yeah, maybe not, but could he still play – highly competitively in any of the big European leagues. Oh yeah. But you know, he's obviously forged, you know, his life and his business, you know, inside the United States, um, you know, basing it with LA galaxy then, and now being an owner with, you know, Miami FC. So who did the uh, rising have, who was kind of past his prime too? He was, isn't he part owner who? Yeah. Yeah. So Didier Drogba, Chelsea legend, Chelsea legend, uh, is part owner with, with Phoenix Rising and, and a group of others. Uh, and he played his, you know, sort of final years here. Uh, his last two seasons he played, you know, here in Phoenix. And you know, obviously for me, Chelsea, you know, legend playing in my local second division team, you know, was, pretty cool. was amazing. To, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, you go out and see 
you know, a legend go out there. And you can tell just watching him versus the players around him, even at his age, he was 37, 38 at the time, the, the years above the rest of them. And there's some other former Premier League players um, that the Rising first had in the initial season or two. Uh, Sean Wright Phillips and uh, Peter Ramage both played, you know, in the U.K., um, so to see that sort of quality on the field, even at the end of the, the, the end of their careers, is going to bring people in the stands. And, and that's how I think a lot of the MLS teams look at that. You know, hey, if we go sign, you know, you know, David Beckham, people are going to come because it's David Beckham. Sure, you know, Just of like people will come because it was Didier Drogba, and they did. You know, there's tons of Chelsea shirts in the crowd every week. And obviously, you know, my fan group that I belong to here, uh, we all went every week to see Drogba and, you know, banners and, you know, the whole nine yards. So, um, you know, obviously you look at it as a business too. My guy now is uh, Zlatan. Anytime I hear him on PTI, that guy's a character. He's always got something to say. Ibrahimovic. <laughs> Ibrahimovic, the Swedish guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, once again, you know, just another another legend playing out, you know, his career at the end in, in MLS, and I, I think he has gone back to Europe since, or, or China maybe, something like that. Um, you know, same thing. You know, you watch him hit from midfield, you know, or 40 yards out, just total screamers, you know, which most people can't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, most players are, are not that talented, you know, and, and they, but having somebody like Zlatan or, or Drogba on a team, you know, that's going to help them involve, help those other players involve to be, you know, a shade of, you know, those great, you know, top European players. I have two more issues that I want to get into with you today. But before I do that, what always brings me the most joy on this podcast, which, yes, I started before the pandemic, but it's kind of evolved since then to, hey, I want to talk to my friends. I want to catch up with them. I love having conversations with you guys. Obviously, I deal with a chronic illness. I'm somewhat immune suppressed. I mean, I still go into work, but it would not be the best idea for me to come and hang out with all of you in person. Um, But I still like to talk to you guys. And, you know, you and I haven't talked in, gosh, probably months, but I enjoy connecting on a one-on-one level, and it's something that's very important to me. So what I love the most about this podcast is when other people, you know, throw something my way. Is there anything that that you've been thinking about, either that you want to talk about on this podcast or that's just totally off, you know, off the beaten path that, that you would like to get into before I get into this other crap that will make us both laugh? Um. Oh, man, you're putting me on the spot a little bit here. Well, that's what um, I like to do. Or we could get into one of these issues and you could ponder. Um, I mean, let, let's talk about, um, you know, we'll, we'll be serious, serious sands for a minute here. Uh, okay. Um, you know, obviously, you know, you touched on, you know, pandemic. And, yes. and, you know, we don't see each other, you know, hardly, you know, ever right now. And we haven't spoken in months until recently when I said, hey, I, I've been listening to the podcast and, Yo. I said that that makes yeah that makes you're the you're the guy doing it. That's incredible. Yeah. So like I you know like I said I'm I'm chipping away at him and you know I listen to him on my way to work every day now. And, Look, and I try to work. give people you know at least an hour every week, and I've been the last couple of weeks I've been churning out two or three 
and right. uh, and I'm gonna you know lay down this one, and I've already got uh, somebody else lined up for another midweek one. So I'm I'm adding to your plate. I'm proud of myself. Yeah, so I, which I appreciate. I like you said. I like connecting with people. So you know, we both work. You know, in in, in different you know different facets and, and different jobs. You know, you you obviously work you know at the radio station, and you know I work for you know a large public corporation where you know we we're essential workers we have been since day one yes um and yeah i don't expect you to name where you work because i do want to ask you a couple questions about that that you you may or may not want want to get into and you can certainly plead the fifth but if you don't want to throw the name out there i don't blame you at all no 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 Um, don't don't throw the name out there no um so so for me the last you know where are we at sort of five months now yeah since Um, early to mid-march yeah, so four or five months now. Um, you know, it's it's been business as normal, and then as those sort of early weeks moved on, it became a little different. We saw less people. Um, then you know, different different measures got put in place. You know, the mask thing. You know, and the shutdown happened, uh, where you know, oh, you can't go anywhere now. And then, oh, well, now you can go to these couple places. And now you can go to all these places, but you have to wear a mask yeah. and you have to be socially distant. And, and you know, this, this, obviously this is kind of on the, the personal side of things. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, because I've been around the public since before it happened, during it happened, and even today, even with a new position I'm in. Um, oh, are you president it, it, yet? Are you running that place? <laughs> Uh, not yet. Okay. <laughs> Slowly chipping my way up well, there. Well, if you ever get there, I'm happy to come over and have some, you know, do very little PR role where I get paid right. very highly. Yeah, right. Um, so uh, I want to ask you how you moved through these last sort of, you know, four or five months. Because, like you said, you, you, you know, have Crohn's disease and, yep. you know, a little you know, immune suppressed. And yep. I'm not saying I'm the, the healthiest person on the earth, you know, knock on wood, <laughs> you know, um, I'm relatively healthy. Like I said, I deal with the public every day. So for me, you know, the mask wearing has been, you know, it's been a mandatory thing for where I work for the last sort of two months now. It is for us um, now too. Yeah. So. Sure. You know, I, I'm happy to what launch have you, What have it. you done? Yeah. Have, what are you, are you doing things differently? Are you still going to get food places so uh, you know so as you listen to episodes of the podcast you'll hear some of it and i i think you'll be very proud of me and i don't need to toot my horn here on any of it but um i would tell you i before the pandemic i already had goals if i wanted to run a marathon again uh at, at the end of this year or early next year because last year as i was getting ready to take my yearly jaunt at a marathon or half marathon, I got a lovely touch of what my doctor thought was Bell's palsy. Now we're really Mm -hmm. not sure if it was stress or Bell's palsy or what the heck the deal was, but something not good was going on with me. So I opted not to go. Um, And I told myself I wanted to lose 50 pounds and run the fastest marathon that I've ever run. And, I mean, granted, I've run one, so it shouldn't be too hard. Um, but <laughs> you run one more than I'd rather th- run. There so. you go. Kudos. So I, um, 
I've been working a lot on the weight loss, and you'll hit a certain episode where I talk a lot about it. And uh, I've I've taken that first goal, which I still haven't quite hit the 50-pound mark to the best of my knowledge because I don't weigh myself very often. But I've decided now that I want to lose over 80 pounds, and I I really want to make a serious run at it. And I, I'm walking seven to eight miles a day. So my mental attitude with this thing was, first and foremost— um, I don't want to die. And the way I look at it is the odds that I would pass away are very slim, but I take this virus very seriously. And, you know, obviously being overweight is a serious factor with this thing. Um, so I, I'm trying to slim down, trying to get healthier so that if I do get it, uh, that I can fight it off like a champ. Um, some people are perfectly healthy and still get it and unfortunately pass away. Um, it's it's beyond tragic, and it sucks now that here in Arizona we've lost a couple thousand people across the U.S., over 100,000 people. So first and foremost, my goal was health and fitness because I am happier when I am healthier. And last year I would get out and I would do like a three- to five-mile run, and I just— Oh, man, I, I felt like a chain smoker, not only as I was doing it, but the second I would stop. Like— Years ago, when I first started running, I would sprint at the end. And last year, things got so bad that I'd just be like, (laughs) and like, there was no sprint in me. And what's exciting to me is, is I can sprint again after running six or seven miles for a good half mile or mile, Um, which I didn't know at, you know, granted, I'm not a geezer, but at age 38, I didn't know if I'd be able to do that again. So now I think about like, man, maybe if I lose more weight, I could do this at 58 or 68. Um, and it's exciting. So uh, worked on my health and fitness a lot, continuing to do that. Um, as far as work, when this first hit, I was working from home two or three days a week, and I would work here in the office a couple of days. And things have evolved to the point where we did go to a mandatory mask policy three or four weeks ago where if we're sitting at our desk, we don't have to wear it. But if we get up and go to the bathroom or go get some food uh, or walk down the hall, we have to put our mask on. And Very similar to the restaurants. You know, if you're at your table, you can take it off. But otherwise, you know, they want you to wear it. Correct. And... And it's it's admittedly weird. There's been a couple mornings where, you know, my routine is always keys, wallet, cell phone, go. And now right. it's like sanitizer, mask, keys, wallet, cell phone. And like I just I oftentimes admittedly forget the mask. And I would have to ask either our news director or my boss here at work, like, hey, can I get one of those cotton masks? I need it for the day. I left mine at home. So I have like six or seven different masks. I've got one here for my ex. She designs masks on Etsy, so I, I bought one of hers, and I like it. Um, and I've got some others that were given to me that I wear, so have to do that. As far as how I look at going out, um, I would—I'm not dating right now. I would like to, um, but, man, I sit there, and I just think, this is really tough. Dating is hard enough, and True. now I'm going to go on some app and say, like, hey, um, would love to date you, but uh, what are your pandemic views? Like, who are you <laughs> hanging out with? Like, it's just awkward. So, no, yeah. I, I have not eaten in a restaurant since the pandemic was announced in mid-March. The last time I ate in a restaurant 
to the best of my knowledge, was either right when I got back from Michigan, um, which mm-hmm. was right before the pandemic hit, which would have been like a chompies with my buddy on a Wednesday, or maybe even back when I was still in Michigan with my parents, we went into a Chinese restaurant and ate there. And I vividly remember that. But no, uh, I'll go and pick up uh, carry out and I'll do that. And I, I am at the point now where I put the mask on and I'll go through the grocery store and I don't feel like everything has cooties, but I still obviously wash my hands when I get home. Um, mm. I've went into Lowe's and Home Depot a couple times, though I don't make it a weekly habit. Obviously, being a lovely homeowner, which you've been longer than I, um, my house was built in, I want to say, the late 60s or early 70s. And there's just always crap that I feel like I need to do. And I'm trying to get better at fixing it, but it's it's just a pain in the butt. So um, places I go uh, with the pandemic have included... Uh, Walmart, grocery store, um, fri- uh, Fries, Home Depot, Lowe's, um, some takeout for food. There's one friend's house where I'll eat the takeout generally, and that's a and work, and that's about it. And I mean, you know me, you and I live yeah. together, and we can get into that too. I've always been kind of a homebody. We would, we went to college together and I would love to go to a party, but I was the nerd who would happily sit on the couch and watch everybody else get hammered. Right, right. I love to, you know, sit there and engage in a one-on-one conversation like this. I, I have never drank because of my medication that I take for my Crohn's and I could get a weed card easier than anybody and i've just never smoked marijuana in my life um so you know not being able to go to the bars and the clubs has not affected me but i understand how important that is to everybody else and and i feel bad for all the people who miss out on that and the big things that i've done are work on my health and fitness try to connect with people on an individual level through this podcast and read my goal, and I know you've always been a big reader, buddy. Oh, yeah. My um, favorite thing to do. I, uh, nobody ever. I am uh, re- trying to read two books a month. And uh, through June, I have hit that goal. And I am on my second book this month. So looking pretty good through July that I'm going to be through, what is that, 14 books? Yep. Which is probably more books than you have read in your entire life. Uh, very good possibility of that being the case, yes. Um, so we're, we're not too far distant as far as, you know, how do you, how do you feel? Like, would you go to a restaurant with a young lady right now? Are are you seeing any young ladies? Yeah. So, you know, I, I live with my girlfriend and, Mm -hmm. you know, she works in healthcare. Okay. So, So she works in assisted living and, you know, she's been tested twice for, for, uh, COVID 19 and, and first one was negative and we're waiting on the results of the second one. So, you know, that doesn't really, you know, bother me per se as far as, you know, how that kind of stuff goes. Um, but it's, you know, we don't go out all the time by any means. We don't. Um, and, and I wouldn't, look, I, I am not one of those people who's going to judge. If you told me, right. hey, Joe, I'm going to a restaurant every single night, I would say good for you. And right. 
I I want people to be cautious at the level that they're comfortable with. Now, if you told me like, hey, I'm getting together every weekend with 15 friends and we're coughing on each other and we're licking each other just to see what happens, right. I would say you are an idiot. Um, yeah. Why are you no, doing I, that? Exactly. But, but if you want to hang out with a friend or two or go get dinner, I totally get it. Um, I've been disappointed with the governor that you know, it seems like he's trying to appease everyone and he put the stay at home in place and we stuck with it for a couple weeks but then when he opened up the restaurants all the bars and the clubs opened up too and he didn't do anything to crack down and then he tried to crack down and and it's just like i get people who are miserable right now who would hang out with 15 or 20 people but unfortunately the only way we get through this is if we suck it up and we try to make the best of a bad time. And with the mask wearers, I mean, early on, I will admit, I'd go to the grocery store and I'd have a mask on and you'd see 90% of the dudes like, yeah, I'm not wearing a mask. I'm macho. Right. COVID's not going to get me. And now most guys are wearing masks. And do I think people should be wearing masks? Do I believe it works? Yes. Do I have friends who I respect a great deal who say, hey, I don't think the mask does anything? Yes, I do. Um and I see it more as a respect issue. And I would ask people, uh, if you want to keep me safe, I would ask that you wear a mask. If you want to make sure your 80-year-old grandmother doesn't get COVID and croak, I would ask that you wear a mask. Even if you think it does nothing, it's just a respect issue. Like, if you're a yeah. smoker, are you going to blow smoke right in my face? No. no. Same kind of thing with the mask. Like, if you don't want to wear a mask, and look, when I go on my seven-and-a-half-mile walk outside, I'm not wearing a mask. Um, no, yeah, exactly. But if you're in a restaurant and they say, hey, you need to wear a mask to come in here, don't get in a fight with the with the hostess at the door. Put the mask on and go and sit down and then do your thing. If you walk through a Costco, I saw some guy in his 60s with his little grandson, and he took the mask and he immediately tucked it under his chin. And if I saw an employee in the Costco, I was going to point the guy out. Does that make me a Karen? You judge. I just, I just wish that people would think of others that that's all that i'm saying right and, and as we move forward each day it comes out that there's you know growing scientific evidence that wearing a mask works as the days move on we, we're coming to that conclusion and you know i'll be honest with you at the beginning not my cup of tea didn't really like wearing it nobody does work yeah work wasn't mandating that we wore it um so even you know at the beginning, it was kind of, you know, they were giving us, you know, quote unquote hazard pay. You know, this was right when the lockdown began, but we weren't really having to do a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, we put some, you know, things in place to, you know, protect the workers, plexiglass, which you see at, you know, 99% of businesses now. Sure. Um, you know, the sanitizer, et cetera, but the masks aren't required. Then they became required. Um, and, you know, I have, you know, like you, you know, phone, wallet, keys, sunglasses, and you leave the house. And, and now it becomes phone, wallet, keys, mask, blah, 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 blah. And don't get me wrong. I've got out of the car just like you more than enough times. Crap, where's my mask? You know, I forgot. You know, with a new job, you know, the new position that I'm in, you know, I have thousands, you know, of the disposable, you know, ones. And, you know, as I go to each location, I put on a different one. You know, 
uh, rather than just the reusable cotton one. Because now, you know, I really am sort of pushing myself in a bunch of different places, whether before I was, I go to my store, do my thing, go home, and that'd be kind of it. So, um, so I, I guess I'm a little more careful now that I am trashing the, the, the mask at, at every chance almost rather than, you know, the cotton reusable one, which let's be real. If you, if you ask 50 people on the street that have the reusable cotton mask, which is what I have. Times, yeah. yeah. How many times have they washed it? The answer is probably going to be, I don't know, once or twice. I wash, you know? I wash all of mine every week and sometimes I'll wash them midweek. Like, right. Dude, I saw this guy, his mask fell on the floor. And he yeah. picked it up and put it right put back it on. on his face. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> so, and I have some of the cotton ones, and that's what I was wearing at the beginning. And, you know, it was, you know, more comfortable than the, the other ones. But, you know, like I said, now visiting, you know, multiple stores every day, I'm like, eh, this is probably better for me. Let's just trash this one every time. You know, I don't go to the nicest part of town now either, so it's more of an uh, a reason to get rid of it. You know, um, you know whether that makes a difference if it's east side, west side, north side, south side. It doesn't. You know, okay, there's data that probably saying that certain parts of town is more COVID positive than others, and you know, just in the work that I've done, you know, I have come across COVID positive employees. So, you know, I have to, you know, I have to deal with that where in my old area, we had one in five months. Now, luckily, we have we have not had anybody at work that I know of who's gotten it yet. But we've had some people at work who've had uh, relatives who've had it. So they've had to like where I work. um, Bonneville is our parent company. And. I will give them all the credit in the world that they have been very proactive in terms of they say, look, if you feel sick, stay home. Even if you're a part timer, they will pay you to take the two weeks off and they'll ask you to go get a test. And uh, if you can't get a test, they're going to say, hey, stay home for two weeks. If you don't have any sick time, they will pay you to stay home for the whole two weeks. We've got the mask policy like we've followed the CDC guidelines and we've tried to be very proactive about it. And, you know, some people have been concerned, like, man, geez, you know, if I get this and I stay home for two weeks, like, you know, am I going to lose my job? Like, well, Bonneville has yet to lay off or furlough anybody. So Right. And we uh, haven't either. And a lot of media companies have, though. Um, right. And I feel for all those media companies. I have friends at a lot of them, and I know uh, some who've been uh, furloughed. I know friends of friends who've been let go. I was just trading some notes with somebody, and the scariest thing to me, or not the scariest, but one of them, is I've seen a bunch of, uh, I'd just say small businesses, but they're restaurants that have shut down because of this, that I just, I don't know how they're going to reopen, where, you know, people are not getting as much business, and I hope we don't move to a world where McDonald's, Subway, and Wendy's are the only three things going, and... And look, I have nothing against those places, but I love being able to go into uh, 
you know, my buddy's Italian shop, DeFalco's Deli, and getting food there, or T.C. Eggington's and getting food there, or, you know, there's a place right across the street where I would like to go and get Chinese food, Bamboo China, and they haven't been open since March, and every day that goes by, I'm increasingly worried they're not going to be able to reopen. A friend just told me he's at a resort this weekend for kind of a, like a, Not a staycation even. He's just hanging out there for the day. He said their hotel is 10% full. And you have to figure with the pandemic, they would at least be willing to go up to 50%. Well, not as many people are traveling. And people are buckling down. And people aren't going to go and do a staycation when they're concerned that, you know, they could be laid off. They could be furloughed. Um, It's just, it's very scary how this is going to affect us economically. And I just try to put on the best brave face and happy face that I can every day. And it's, it's a lot like, you know, a relationship or, or, you know, it is a part of life, man. Like you just try to soldier through it. There's going to be good days. There's going to be bad days. And there's things that we can control and things that we can't. And I try to talk it out because it, what it's what helps me a lot, but there are some tough aspects to this. No, right. And you touched on, you know, a thing that kind of, you know, pushes me the most, you know, and maybe obviously I'm, I'm a push, push the envelope too, is, you know, going out and supporting those small businesses, supporting mm-hmm. those places that, you know, this is a, a large amount of people's livelihoods, you yeah. know, at stake, you know, because like you said, you don't want it to be, you know, McDonald's and Subway and Wendy's and, and Walmart and, and Target, the only thing in town. Yeah, and I and love those I, stores, but... I, yeah, and I do too, Like, but that, w- that was the only thing in town for quite a while was Walmart and Target. Everything else was closed. Yeah. You know, yep. they were deemed, you know, essential yep. retailers and everybody else wasn't, yep. you know? Um, so, you know, and now as, as things do open, some of them aren't. Like my favorite restaurant... Over, it used to be over here at, at uh, Ray and Kyrene at Teakwood. They shut that location. Yeah. You know, the owner couldn't, you know, hold up both locations. And so now she just has the one in Gilbert. And, yep. you know, that was a, a, a once a week requirement for me, you know, was go to Teakwood's, you know, the bartenders knew me, the waitresses knew me. I've been going there for 10 years. And some of them did make the, make the trip to, to Gilbert and the location over there as they reopened. But, it's not the same. It's it's not my Teakwood. It's like eight ten miles away. Yeah. So you know, getting out there and supporting you know those local businesses, you know, it means a lot to me. You know, I, I don't work for a small business. I work for a multi billion dollar company. Look, um, McDonald's is going to be here no matter what happens right, in the next right. few months. But I get why people go there because it's way cheaper. Yeah. You can get a burger, oh, yeah. fries, and a drink for five bucks. If you go to Teakwoods, it's probably more like fifteen or twenty. Exactly. Um, but. You know, fajitas off the I-17 where I would go with a couple of friends. Shut down. They announced they're never going to yep. reopen. Eggingtons, uh, I called them early on in the pandemic, and they said they weren't going to open right away. I haven't reached back out to see if they're back open now. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Bamboo China has still not opened. Like, there's, there's a handful of places, and early on, like— one day I sat there and I called like four or five Chinese restaurants because I was jonesing for Chinese. They were <laughs> all closed. Right. Um, and this has been tremendously hard on them because, you know, this was looked at as the Chinese virus. And, of course, people right. didn't want to go to the Chinese restaurant. And it, it's just <laughs> ridiculous. But it's just yeah. like, 
Man, that stinks. Really? If I want Chinese food, I'm going to have to just go to freaking Panda Express? Panda Express. That's all yep. I get? <laughs> Which is freaking terrible. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, it's tough. And, you know, you, you touched on, on, on uh, Governor Doug Ducey, you know, reopening things, you know, probably earlier than he should have. But, you know, he also closed things later than he should have, too. Because yep. Governor Ducey's a businessman. Yes. And He's I, very I, much like uh, the orange-haired one. Uh, yes know. and no. I mean... Similar-ish. You know, they're both business people. Here's where and, I would defend him. I have met him over a dozen times coming into our building. Right. And I really, really respect the man. And I think this is the toughest thing he's ever oh, going to yeah. have to deal with. But increasingly, it does seem like he's hitched his wagon to President Trump and like we're and I'll I'll give him credit for keeping the gyms closed, even though some really want to be in the gym right now. Um, I think that's making a difference. And he's trying to thread this needle. And I I think he wants to be in the Trump administration. If it was me, I would be more so looking at the Senate and controlling my own destiny down the road. But he needs to do what he thinks is, is best for him and best for our state. And at times I just feel like he's a couple weeks slow in what he's doing to really protect all of us. Uh, he what? said he was very pro-mask, and yet we didn't, you know, he punted that to the mayors, and it, it seemed to take forever to get everybody to wear a mask. Well, it, it's interesting, too, with, with the whole mask situation that only one city— really made it a hardcore deal, uh, Tempe. Like, we can refuse service to people in a business not wearing a mask in Tempe. And, and Vegas is the same way. Uh, oh, Vegas, is, else, Vegas is brutal. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a whole other story. Oh, I but. mean, gosh, I don't even get me started with that. Like, I would go there four or five times a year, and right. I just metaphorically go home and cry now over the fact that there are no shows out there. Poker rooms are shut down because they're apparently the grossest places in the world. Um, Who knew when I was in the poker room all the time at Talking Stick that it was just a hotbed of viruses. Um, But I don't know if I'll ever be doing that again. Uh, Buffets are shut down. It's like, ugh, I would love to go to Vegas, but I don't want to just sit in a hotel room the whole time and just walk the strip. Like, what am I going to do? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I don't go to Vegas as much as you do. I went right at the very beginning of the year this year before, before the pandemic and, you know, had a great old time, but like, I can't imagine going there now. Like, like you said, there's, there's nothing, you know, and, and what you can do in the casino, like, you don't know where anybody, these people come from, you know, Vegas is lived on tourism. So, you know, whether or not they're from another country, another state, another city, you don't know what it's like. And especially here in Arizona, we're one of the top three, four states, you know, with, with, with COVID-19 right now. So, you know, other people not, might not be happy that we're there either, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it's interesting. Yes, it is. So two more things I want to dive into with you here. And I, I do expect you to listen to the episode with you on it. So oh, yeah. You're going to be subjected to all of this. Um, So we don't need to get into specifically where you work, but as you mentioned, it's a very large corporation. And if you plead the fifth on this, I'll understand. But I always love to hear these stories, and I haven't asked you this in a long time. 
are, are there any stories that you can share of bizarre things that you have heard happened or that you have personally witnessed happening that you can relay to me that would give me a good chuckle? Uh, are we are we just talking recently with like coronavirus or oh just in, uh, any, in anything in the last few years? Ooh, anything uh, that you were like, oh my goodness, how did that happen? <laughs> um, hmm. And and I I can throw another issue at you if you want to yeah, ponder you, that give for me, a minute. Give me give me the other one while I think of that so, one. So when you and I lived together, we lived together in at least four places. I want to say. I know we lived uh, together, apartment in Ahwatukee, yep. house in Tempe. Yep. Uh, we had condo in Tempe. Yep. Did we live in another one, or was that it? Uh, house in Ahwatukee. Yes, too. correct, where we had another roommate who I have not talked to since the day he moved out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'm sure you haven't either. Nope. Um, so... Um, just some of the bizarre crap that we would get into. I was laughing to myself this morning getting ready to come in here and, and talk this over with you. I remember, for some reason, I would get the biggest kick out of throwing breadcrumbs in your bed, <laughs> and then you'd have to vacuum it. And then I remember one time I threw the whole vacuum in your bed and tucked it under the sheets. Um, it's stuff like that that, like, I mean, granted, I've grown up now and I don't do that. But uh, yeah, just some of this. That, that was like 2003 to 2004, hey, I mean, 15, 20 years ago almost, you know. There's nothing wrong with throwing breadcrumbs in someone's <laughs> bed, though. Um, just some of the stupid crap we would do. Oh, it, it, it Was there anything that... Another one of my favorite memories is somebody who I'm sure will listen to this podcast and want to be on the podcast because he's already told me he wants to get on. Um, uh-huh. I remember before I moved into that condo in Tempe where you lived with him, he, um, I remember your guy's place got ransacked one night, and I yeah. remember he came in and just sat there like nothing had happened. And <laughs> I just remember having a good laugh about that, too. Uh, yeah, yeah, it, it, it's very humorous, you know, the different things that we've gone through, you know, in the, the four places. You know, I, I vividly remember the breadcrumbs, you know, back and <laughs> forth between beds. Um, you know, I remember when we moved out of the house in Tempe, and we oh spent, my god, you know, the best part of not what, the like weeds, a week, the, a week cutting down, uh, you know, six to eight foot high weeds in that backyard. Now that, Tim had already, I think he'd moved out and essentially yeah. left you and I to handle that. It, it was just the two of us, and, and you know how anal I am. Like I'm sitting there with my hands trying yeah. to bushwhack these weeds, and th- I have never been more sore in my life. No, no uh, then pulling out those weeds. And I remember you finally, you just got out the weed whacker and went to town. And yeah. I remember that I got through like 10% of the yard in like six hours and you just weed whacked the heck out of it. And it took you like 20 minutes. And I was like, damn, wish I'd have thought of that. <laughs> and I remember for like four days, I honestly thought I was going to die because I couldn't get out of the fetal position because I was so sore and my hands felt like that of an 80-year-old from pulling the... They weren't even weeds. They were no. bushes. They were like... Yeah, they, they were thick. The stalks were thick on these things. Oh, I mean... They were like you know. four feet tall. I, I had the picture on a computer up until a year or so ago. But Ooh, it, man. It was like a forest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Um, you know, it's, it's stuff like that that, you know, we, we look back on. And, and I, 
I remember living in a house and on the back side of the house was a wall and there was a liquor store. And, you know, I remember chucking keg over a couple times, you know, <laughs> we'd refill it rather than walk around, um, you know, just, just dumb stuff that, you know, <laughs> but that, that, that cements the friendship. It's, it's why we're still friends 20 years later that, you know, yes, do we talk every day? No, we don't. Do we see each other every day? No, we don't. But we can pick up the phone like we've like we've done today. We can reminisce and we can have a great conversation, just like it was any other day. You would be happy you know? to know that the idiot who I live with now, who I think you know of him, but I don't think you've ever met him. He's a radio guy, and I don't know if he did radio at ASU, but he um, he has a bad habit of looking at stuff on his phone and trying to make food or just doing whatever he's doing and not paying attention to me. And uh-huh. I said something to him today. I said, like, dude, where's the knife? Because, like, we have a couple sharp knives in our house yeah. that he's always using to cut up apples and stuff. And he always accuses me of hiding them to play a joke on him. And I've told him that is entirely something I would do, but I have yet to do. And again today... um. I'm like, dude, where's the knife? He's like, I don't know. He's like, did you check the garbage? I'm like, why would you put the knife in the garbage? (laughs) So he checks the garbage. It's not there. He's like going through cabinets, drawers everywhere. And I've told him, I'm like, I really don't care other than the fact that like, the cat is a moron. It's a cat. If the knife is some somewhere out in, where she can get it, she's dumb. She'll probably lick it and kill herself. Um, and Kelly, he's, Kelly Papowski can't be that dumb, buddy. Uh, well, she's she's borderline genius, but also borderline Special Olympics in some ways. <laughs> I just I never know. I mean, she poops on the floor sometimes just to spite yeah, me. Exactly. I mean, it's, she she has a mind of her own. Would I put it past her to lick a knife? No. So. He's looking all over the house, and then he goes back to his computer, and you know me. I bug him, like, every five minutes. Hey, did you find that knife yet? He's like, yeah. nope, nope. Yeah. And, like, so he's got a lady friend over, and, uh-huh. like, she opens up the garbage, and she's like, I see it. It's right there. After he'd already looked in the garbage for the knife, sure enough, he did, in fact, throw it in the garbage. And that's a, that's that's my question. Why? Why? Because he sits there on his phone and cuts up his apple in the morning and does some of the dumbest stuff. And sure enough, he took a sharp knife. He's done it with the the pepper shaker before, where he's thrown that out. That we will never get back because he threw it out and I didn't realize it in time. Um, And yeah, apparently uh, sharp knives he likes to throw in the garbage. So, uh, I feel for you there, buddy. That's uh, not bad very times. Fun. Yeah, <laughs> that is definitely bad times. Do, do you have any crazy uh, store issues yet? Issues? Well, anything um, you can relate to me that, you know, maybe somebody walked in naked or something. I don't know. I mean, I, I remember one of the, I, I didn't witness it. I watched the video, obviously, after the fact. Okay. Um, you know, this this was a, a Halloween, you know, I don't know, probably 10 years ago now. Okay. Um, uh, a guy came in wearing like a Speedo and jumped on the counter and was all dancing and, you know, I remember that. I remember my assistant calling me, oh, you know, it was like, you know, 1130 at night. Hey, this just happened. I'm like, good God, you know. Um, yeah, that's obviously one of the funny stories. Um, do you still you know, do you still directly work with the store or in your new role? Are you now uh, a, a corporate sellout? 
bit of both, I suppose. Oh, so. wonderful. It's like me in middle management where <laughs> you really don't get to have any fun and you're just put in the middle of every bad situation that happens and expected yes. to, to make it better. Yes. You have to and make that, management yeah. happy and the employees happy. It's really just yes. incredible, and I'm convinced it will take five years off my life. Yes. Uh, that's basically what I've walked into. You know, I, I now have you know a, a group of a group of stores below me, and their store managers and the employees, obviously. So, you know, but then I obviously have to answer to you know regional ops director, mm-hmm. and, and you know he's hey you got to do this. Oh, okay. You know, and then I got to tell the stores to do it, and the stores don't do it. Then I have to hear about it because yeah. they're not doing it, yeah. and you know you get them motivated to stay on top of it, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah, it, it is. It's different because I've worked in the stores for so long. You know, best part of you know twelve years at this company. I worked at the store level, and you know I've been in this new position. You know, three weeks now, and you know. I kind of knew what to expect, and I kind of didn't. Um, <laughs> well, if you, you ever want to trade some uh, middle management horror stories, I'm I'm happy to uh, reminisce with you off the air. Yes, definitely. So, yeah, obviously, you know, during the pandemic right now and, and COVID-19, you know, that is obviously one of our big things is, you know, I watch a lot of video to do with COVID-19. Oh, yay. You know, are we following procedure? Are they wearing their masks? Are we socially distancing ourselves, you know, with other employees and vendors and customers and, you know, what did you touch? You know, especially, you know, if it is a positive case, you know, then I really have to seriously watch the person, their entire shift. Hmm. Where do they go? What do they do? Who do they come in contact with? Do they physically touch anybody uh, to make sure nobody else is at risk? Um, So, you know, and that's something, you know, six months ago we would never have to do. Correct. So, um, you could have just you know, been it, worried about morons stealing money out of the register. and Right. <laughs> it, it probably would have been, you know, a lot less involved. And, you know, I've watched Beer a runs. lot of video. <laughs> yeah, a lot of video this past week. And, you know, um, just sort of watching everybody and, and, and what have you and making sure, you know, we are doing our job, et cetera. And like I said, you know, for me also, you know, being that conscious person, make sure I'm wearing my mask too, mm-hmm. I'm wearing it properly and showing everybody, hey, you have to wear your mask. You know, yeah. I've called stores over this past week and said, hey, you're not wearing a mask, call your store, yeah. you know. Um, so, it's interesting though. I'm, I'm excited, you know, I've been chasing this job for, you know, 10 years or so. Um, you know, I'm excited to get into it. Uh, it's a, you know, a few and far between positions, there's only 44 of them um, in our business unit. So, to be one of those 44 and one of Many people that interviewed for the job to get picked for it, you know, I, I you know, appreciative of, the, of where I'm at now. So. No doubt. I'm very proud of you. Thanks, man. I will uh, let you go. We will do this again soon. I, yep. I hope I give you many laughs and uh, good things to listen to when you're driving into the into the store, into the office. Will do. Buddy, you be well. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. There he is, Nick Wakefield, out of the hat.